You may be seated. Just take a moment and pray. Father, thank you that we have just the awesome privilege of meeting you in this moment at this time. That this day is different than other days. It's set apart. It's holy. It's a Sabbath. And we come to be renewed by being in your presence. So thank you that you meet us in a time of praise and worship. Thank you that you're meeting us now in your word that's true and living. And Lord, thank you that you'll meet us when we come to the table to receive you. So we ask as we meet you, change us so we could leave different than we were when we came in. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today's in the lectionary readings, which are all laid out for us, and we go through a church calendar year, it's always interesting where it picks up for the next week's reading. Like today it picked up Matthew chapter 14, verse 13. And it starts off in verse 13, it says, and when Jesus heard it, and you go, heard what? What did he hear? What, what was that? What, what was before that? Well, you gotta back up a little bit and recognize what he had just heard, moving forward of what's taking place right now and what's about to happen in this moment with his disciples. And what Jesus had just heard was he was informed by his disciples that John the Baptist was just beheaded by Herod. That, that's what just took place. John was the one who came and baptized Jesus not too long before this. And uh, we know that it was uh, Jesus' cousin. And we know that uh, John would be the last Old Testament prophet. And we know that John was faithful with the call in his life to the end. Jesus just heard it, just got informed this information, this news. And he receives that news in that very moment. And at the same time, Jesus is in the midst of his ministry around the Sea of Galilee in Capernaum in the surrounding villages where most of his ministry took place. And he's ministering to those crowds and he's ministering around the Sea of Galilee and, and, and he gets that news about John and in that moment during that ministry, Jesus decides he's going to get in a boat and leave. Part of that is that he's going to go on his way because he just got hard news, sad news. I think it's an incredible picture of his humanity. That, that Jesus grieved the loss of John, that, that he was fully God and fully man. And we see in his humanity, he just needs to go spend some time alone. And he jumps in the boat, leaves the crowd, and he heads off. And the multitude of people really don't care that, that he's grieving because they're going to find him out. That they've come on a journey and they're not done yet. And that great crowd and that multitude was, was massive. And it, it was people from surrounding villages and towns and possibly People, all of one town could have came out after looking for him. And they're all surrounding and, 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 they're, and they're gathering and, and, and they're heading after Jesus. They're pursuing after him. That they have their own needs and reasons why they want to meet him. They've heard of, 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 of this one they call Jesus. They heard of the signs and wonders that followed. And uh, they're willing and desiring to follow him to any extent to meet a need in their life, to fulfill something that was going on in their life. So they're, they're heading out as well. And in Matthew chapter 14, verse 14, it goes on. And it says, when Jesus went out, he saw the great multitude. So he's in this place and he's praying and he sees the great multitude. And he was moved with compassion for them. He was moved with compassion for them. Oh yeah, and he healed the sick, it says. Something happens in that moment for Jesus. Now, we know that he went off to pray. We know that he and the Father were one. We know that Jesus' solution to, to conquer a situation was going to be in a place from prayer. 
That he wasn't going to do it in his own strength, but he was going to do it with the strength that only the Father could give. What, what an example for us to be reminded that no matter what you're going through right now in your life, Jesus will meet you at your point of need. But you got to go to him first. And how often we put him last. Or we think, you know, Lord, catch up with me. You know, or Lord, I'm going to make a little bit of room or a little bit of time when if you do it first with him, the rest will work out just fine. And Jesus knew that, and he was one with the Father, and he heads out. But here, he looks out in that moment. Here, he looks out, and he sees, and he has compassion on that crowd that came after him. And here's what you need to know about compassion. Compassion involves suffering together. That's the, the definition or to understand the word compassion. What that means, now hear me out. What that means is your heartache is my heartache. That's compassion. That, that, that your pain is my pain. That your suffering is my suffering. Amen. Have you ever been in a place in your life where, where that moment happened and you're moved? And the key word there is moved by compassion for others. As a church many years ago that we were reaching out with drugs and alcohol and, and, and had various ministries. And various ministries had started as a result of being compassionate. And one of those ministries that began was Bridges of New York because Bridges of New York was saying we need to be compassionate for those who God send it, sends. And how could we do that? That there had to be something else because we couldn't quite do it all here at the church or the very thing that was needed. And it was compassion that moved within us to take a step of faith to begin a program that we had no means to begin. But yet God called us to do it. And we began to do that very thing and reach out. And it's the same as Renee and her heart for the Miracle House for women that there's a need that God has and I'm going to take out because I have compassion on those that I look out for. And there's a greater need. See, that key word for compassion, for understanding that your heartache is my heartache, compassion leads to action. That's what compassion does. Compassion leads to action. Jesus was so moved by the crowd that he healed the sick. That there was an action involved. There was a response to those who sought after him. And we know he could do that because his well wasn't dry. His well was full because he came out of a place of prayer because he was one with the Father. That, 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 that compassion, he was willing to surrender his own needs for the needs of those around him. And he was willing to do that. Now here's what we got to get. Compassion is not empathy. Empathy is I feel for the person. Empathy is a, that... that that, that my heart hurts for that thing and I can feel that thing and I can look out to a situation, to a person's life. I can look out to the world. Uh, I can see a commercial that, that moves in my heart some way and I have empathy for that situation. But empathy is just a feeling for the person. Compassion is taking action on that feeling. Follow me? Okay, I'm just checking. I, seem nervous. You're like, what's he going to ask me to do after this? <laughs> Wait. Compassion leads to action. Say that with me. Compassion leads to action. Okay, we've got to get that in our hearts. We're not a church that's called to be empathetic. We're a church that's called to be compassionate. Just as Jesus was looking to the crowd and had compassion. In what ways... Can your compassion in your life lead to an action? In what ways? 
in your life, in your relationship with the Lord, can, can you be moved in your heart that would lead you to that action? It goes on in verse 15 of chapter 14. It says, when it was evening, the disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. It was evening, it says in the scripture. And if it was evening, it means that Jesus had been ministering all day. And what we know for certain is that it said it was a crowd of 5,000 plus women and children, which meant it could be 15, 20,000 people that gathered. Now, what I could tell you is Jesus had a mega church going on. And it was unlike any other gathering. And here this is happening, and, and, and that group is around, and, 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 and they're looking out to the crowd. And the disciples are starting to wonder, what are we going to do next with this crowd that's coming? And the disciples have some wisdom. They start planning ahead. And the disciples decide, you know what we need to do? This is, we need to call it a day. If there's 15,000, 20,000 people, what I can tell you is they left their towns and villages and followed after Jesus because they had a need in their life. Because there was an affliction. There was a sickness. There was a stronghold or a demonic oppression. Something was going on that made them leave and go follow after him. And I could bet you that was more than half the crowd, which would put the number at close to 10,000 people that minimal needed something from him or a touch from him. And it says that he healed their sick. That, that he met them at their point of need. And he gave all that he had that whole time. And now evenings come, which I assume everyone who needed a touch from the Lord, they were reached. And the disciples look and say, you know what? It's been a good day. It's been a good day. Look what God has done in the midst of us. And we got this crowd, and it's getting late, and the crowd is going to soon become restless. And why are they going to become restless? Because they haven't eaten all day. And really the disciples didn't care about the crowd. It was the disciples' stomachs that were rumbling going, it's been a long day and I'm hungry. Can we move this crowd along? I want to go get something to eat. And, and, and they begin to look at that situation, and they begin to say, how are we going to deal with that situation? They, they realize we have no means for them. There's no way that we're going to be able to provide these very needs that they have. And in Matthew verse 16, 14, 16, it says, But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. And I'm the disciple to be like, What? Tell them, yeah, they need to go. Jesus says, they don't need to go away. What does he say? He turns to his disciples and he says, you give them something to eat. And he start going like, yeah, I don't know how I'm supposed to do that, Lord. We're in the middle of nowhere, been ministering all day. You know, you jumped in a boat, headed out. The crowd followed you in this nowhere place. We have no means. We're not close enough to the sea. We couldn't catch enough fish for the day. We can't, you know, get enough bread. Or, uh, Lord, you know there's no bodegas opened at this time of the hour. Stop and shop doesn't deliver here, Lord. Eat fresh is not coming, Father. What are we supposed to do? What, what, what do we do as that crowd, as they're there? And often in our own lives, we look at the needs all around us. And what we do is we determine the need is impossible. We might have empathy, but we don't have compassion. And we look out and we say, the need is impossible. Our response is like that of the disciples. What we're thinking is, you know what, let's call it a day. Let's call it a day. And what happens in that moment is that we're looking for the world to meet our needs, not the Lord. And we're hoping the, the world will come in and meet that need. We just need the day to end. We just want it to go away. We're just looking at the impossible. 
No, but Philippians reminds us that um, Philippians 4, 19. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. My God will supply all my needs. Not my government, not those around me, not those who I'm putting my trust and my hope in, and I'm expecting the world's going to figure that out for me. It's my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Jesus is about to teach his disciples and us how to have a greater faith. That's what he's about to teach. How they're going to have a greater faith. And in chapter 14, verse 17 through 18, the disciples said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fishes. I'm sorry, fish. Not fishes. He's sleeping with the fishes. Five loaves, two fish. Jesus looks at them, and disciples come. And, you know, I, I, again, think, like, who's the disciple that found them, you know? They say Andrew, maybe. It was Andrew who located. But during this moment, there's 20,000 people. You're like, this is what I got. Five loaves, two fish. This, this, this is what we're able to pull together for the crowd. Jesus says, bring them here to me. The disciple solution to Jesus' command to give them something to eat is one packed lunch that they could bring before the Father. And they bring it to him, and he, he takes it. And in verse 19, then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves and the two fish, and he looked at heaven, and he blessed, and he broke it, and he gave the loaves to his disciples, and the disciples gave it to the multitudes. That, that they began to hand those very things out to the multitudes. Jesus took what he had. And he looks to heaven. He gives thanks and he offers it to God. And he blesses it. And then he begins to give it to others. What an incredible picture for us of giving thanks and to walk by faith. That here is what we had. Not what we didn't have, but this is what we have. And this is what we can offer. Not to send them away, but to begin to use the very thing that you have. To be compassionate with what you have, not what you don't have. To begin to meet that need of others around us. To take that very thing and bring it into others' lives. Do we ever stop and say, Father, thank you for what you've given me and all that I have. And Lord, all that you've given me, I offer back to you. And I ask your blessing to be upon all that you've done. And we give it back to him. See, a disciple's life is a surrendered one. We offer up to God our time, our treasure, our talents for his kingdom's purpose. And the reason it's a surrendered one is that you can't come to salvation through pride. Pride's not going to get you there. What's going to get you there is humility. Meaning that I'm willing to humble myself, that I'm not God, but he is. And if he is God and I surrender myself, that I would receive by grace that forgiveness that he gives. So I surrender. And when I surrender, I'm not surrendering some of me. I'm surrendering all of me. When you fall in love so with someone, do you want them to have some of your heart or all of your heart? Oh, yeah, good answer. All. <laughs> ah, figuring it out. See how this goes. All of it. So we surrender all of our heart to the Lord. 
Say, here, Lord, I, I give that back to you. I live as a disciple. I live that surrendered life. So, Lord, take my time. Take my treasure. Take my talent. You gave it all to me anyway, and I surrender it back to you, and I offer it up to you in thanksgiving. And then, Lord, I ask that you would just bless it, and he will bless it. I give you thanks, and he will bless it. See, the Lord doesn't bless what we don't have. He blesses what we have. And if you're waiting for a blessing of what you don't have because you haven't offered that back up, Lord's saying just offer what you got. And then watch what I can do with it. I could take your five loaves and your two fish and I could feed an army. But you got to offer it up. You got to give it back. You got to give thanks and let him bless it and let him multiply it. Scripture says that they ate and were full. That full actually translates stuffed full. Like after Thanksgiving full. Like I can't eat another bite. I'm disgusted with myself full. And yet we get up a little while later, we make our way back in for that super-duper sandwich that we're going to have because we weren't full enough full. That's the kind of full that he provides. That's the kind of blessing that he pours out. So much there were baskets left over. The Lord will always provide more than enough for our lives. But we have to have faith to trust him. See, the disciples learned compassion leads to action and to have faith in what we have and the Lord will provide. That's the lesson that they're learning. And we're all called to be disciples of Christ and we go through that process as a disciple by loving God and loving others, by having compassion on those around us and how important that is as we look out that love for others that we've encountered. And we're called to do that, to show that love for others. See, a needy world is waiting for the church to have faith to meet their needs. The world is looking out, and the world is wondering if the church will have compassion on it. We're living in the greatest disruption of our lifetime. Maybe it's time for the church to be the hope for the world. Maybe it's time for the church to be the solution. For the church to look out and put our compassion into action. That we look out to the needs of others. God has a solution. And we're all part of that. We're part of bringing his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. We're called to put our compassion into action. To take what we have and give thanks. Let the Lord bless it and multiply it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, that you meet our needs each and every day. And Lord, um, teach us to move from empathy to compassion. Teach us, as you looked out in the crowd, Lord, where we're empty, fill us so that we would have the strength to get through the day. But Lord, be willing to sacrifice ourselves for the sake of others, for those whom you've put in our path, whom you taught us to love. Let us be a church that goes out to the world and has compassion on it. And let that be what begins to change the world, our love for one another. Lord, where we failed, forgive us. And in this moment, Lord, help us. Help us. Give us grace right now, Lord. Now, that first step of coming to him is that surrendered life as a disciple. So we have to make a decision. Are you going to follow after him or not? And it takes humility. So it's admitting that, Lord, I can't do it on my own. I need you to come in my life. And what scripture tells us is that by grace through faith is, is, is this gift that's given us to, of salvation. 
a salvation for an eternal life with him. Why? Because he loves us. But we have to make the decision. And I can't judge a man's heart, but you know your heart. And I don't know what decision you've made. And if you're watching online right now, or you're sitting here right now, you need to make that decision for who he is in your life. And if you want to know him in a new way, I want to pray with you. If you want to pray with me and you're watching online or you're sitting here right now, just everyone close your eyes and just repeat this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door of my heart and I ask you to come in. Take control of my life and make me the person you want me to be. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Now, if you prayed that sitting here, I want you to let me know. Let one of the clergy know. Let one of the ushers know. If you prayed that online, a button comes up and says that you've just prayed that prayer. And what we want to do with you is help you on that discipleship journey. Come alongside you. Have compassion with you. And begin to build that new relationship in Christ that you found. God's doing a great thing. Keep him in your life in this moment and watch what he can do tomorrow. Amen? Now, the peace of the Lord be with you. Acknowledge one another with the sign of peace. <laughs>